He basically told St. Faustina, you, St. Faustina, will prepare the world for my final coming. Now, this was 1931. So 90, what is that? 92 years ago, okay? And he said, you will prepare the world for my final coming. And so he did something incredible. He gave five new channels of grace that we collectively call the devotion of divine mercy. Hello, LifeSite friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Each round is stamped on the back with an image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, we feature LifeSite's logo, surrounded by brilliant sunbursts and draped with olive branches, and each round commemorates LifeSite's 25 years of pro-life, pro-family reporting in America, Canada, and beyond. These one troy ounce rounds are 0.999 pure silver, and LifeSite has just under 10,000 in stock. They're beautiful, historic, and forever enshrining the most important American pro-life victory of a generation. This first edition LifeSite Silver Round is the perfect gift for yourself or anyone you love that collects precious metals and is passionately pro-life. And each purchase helps directly fund LifeSite's pro-life and pro-family mission. This is the first precious metals collectible of its kind that is directly supporting LifeSite's worldwide mission that you know, love, and trust. And now it can be yours while limited supplies last. Get your one troy ounce rounds of 99% pure silver today by clicking the first link below and celebrate life with all of us at LifeSite News. Father Chris Alar, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Uh, I've always been a big fan of your show, so it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Praise God, Father. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. Father, if you could lead us for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And God amen. bless the show and all the listeners who are uh, open to God's mercy, especially this time of year with Divine Mercy Sunday. So God bless you all. Amen. Thank you for that, Father. And um, we're airing just before Divine Mercy Sunday. So this is a great opportunity for you all to learn about Divine Mercy. And Father, if I can jump right in, because I think there's a fascinating aspect about Divine Mercy, about St. Faustina, who gave us the messages from our Lord about Divine Mercy, and it's tied to abortion specifically. If you could give us that detail, please. Well, what's fascinating is many people uh, know the prayer, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, <clears throat> and they're very familiar with the praying of the Divine Mercy Chaplet. But what few people know is that actually Jesus gave that prayer to St. Faustina, we believe, to pray against abortion. And in the diary St. Faustina, she does talk about the pains that she incurred uh, in the womb uh, that she had. She said it was the most excruciating pain uh, that she had ever encountered in her entire life. And she specifically wrote that they were between the hours of 8 and 11 p.m. there in Poland. Now, ironically, um, Poland at the time was one of the leading centers of abortion in all of Europe, uh, in the city specifically of Warsaw. And um, St. Faustina 
uh, wrote about her pains that you would feel very much descriptive of like an abortion. Um, and what happened was, um, uh, in her words of prophecy, um, you know, and I think this is what's most telling, is um, our Lord said that he was going to destroy one of the most beautiful cities in Poland, which uh, Warsaw was at the time. And he gave her, though, uh, the words of this prayer to pray when she saw the angel ready to strike. And so the angel that was ready to strike, she was able to hold back the hand of this angel through her prayer. Now, what was that prayer? Jesus was giving her the words, and the words were the words of the Divine Mercy Chaplet. <clears throat> and so later, uh, her confessor by the name of Blessed Michael Sapochko was asked, this is not in the diary, but he was asked what it was that was causing the angel to strike at the city of this beautiful city, which she said was Warsaw. And Blessed Michael Sapochko came right out and asked her, what was it about the city of Warsaw that caused the angel to prepare to be prepared to destroy it? And you saved through the prayer of this chaplet. And she said, abortion. Wow, that's unbelievable. Now, Father, was there any significance as well between the hours of 8 to 11 that she said she experienced that pain? Thank you. Um, that is actually the time that the clinics there in Warsaw performed more, most abortions. And so um, they have a direct record records of this. And so the 8 to 11 tie is, is unbelievable because it was the time uh, on record that a vast majority of the abortions were performed at the clinics in Warsaw. And St. Faustina said um, that these were the horrible pains. Now, our Lord went even so far as to say, and she recorded this in the diary, that the pains were the pains that were experienced by mothers who murdered their child in the womb. So this is actually mentioned in the diary of St. Faustina. So we know the direct relation and correlation between the chaplet and uh, the uh, Divine Mercy uh, chaplet and abortion. Wow. Wow. So let's do a bit of a rewind now. For those folks who are watching who aren't totally sure of Divine Mercy, what it's all about, the prayer, what it is, if you can give us a little uh, sort of nutshell version of that. Divine Mercy, uh, Jesus appeared uh, to a little humble Polish nun in the 1930s named St. Faustina at the time, Sister Faustina Kowalska. Um, this was a nun that was um, a cloistered nun in Poland uh, prior just to World War II. And our Lord appeared to her and basically gave her some incredible revelations, which are all fully approved by the church. Uh, there was some confusion with a faulty translation um, where there was a slight ban from the 1959 to 1978. Once that translation was corrected and clarified, it, it's fully endorsed, in fact, now on the universal calendar of the church, the, the Feast of Divine Mercy. But Jesus told St. Faustina that divine mercy is mankind's last hope for salvation. Um, he said, if you do not pass through the doors of my mercy, you must pass through the doors of my justice. And uh, John Henry, as I always say, I don't know about everybody else, but I'm not making it through the doors of justice. I, I need the doors of mercy. And so, however, we've got to be very careful. Um, when we say mercy, we're not talking about license. 
We're not talking about false mercy, which means we can do whatever we want, whenever we want. No, God's justice is still very prevalent. What his mercy allows us to do is that if we are striving and still repenting, going to confession, um, attempting to change our lives, um, to rectify our wills, he gives us the grace to do that. And so in a nutshell, what divine mercy is, is not new. Um, the message of divine mercy goes back to the garden of Adam and Eve. Um, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, God could have and should have crushed us out of existence because we didn't listen, we didn't obey, and God had mercy. Why and how? Well, right away in the garden after the fall, what did God do? He gave us the promise of a savior and the gift of a mother. And that was mercy. And so divine mercy is not new. It's, it's, it's as uh, Pope Benedict would say, it's the message of divine mercy is the nucleus of the gospel. It, it really is. Uh, we always say ABCs, know your ABCs. A, ask for God's mercy. You know, the Bible says, if you don't repent and ask for forgiveness, you can't enter the kingdom of God. B, is be merciful to each other. Uh, this is the basis of our Catholic faith. Uh, love God, love your neighbor. Um, you know, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats tell us uh, that if, you know, we don't be merciful to our brethren, we will be cast into the eternal flame. So it is serious uh, 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 directive from our Lord. And then C, ABC, um, is very interesting. It's completely trust in God's mercy. Now, people say trust. Okay, how is that? Well, trust is the one word description of St. Faustina's entire message. And I think, John Henry, the best way to, 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 to say the importance of trust is this. The entire Bible and the entire diary of St. Faustina is based on trust. And St. Faustina summarized it well. We all know there's only one way to get to heaven, God's grace. The only way you're making it to heaven is the grace of God. But Jesus told St. Faustina that all grace is received by one vessel only, trust. Trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. So this message of divine mercy, ABC, ask for God's mercy, be merciful to each other and completely trust. That's not new. That's been around since the garden. And God in his infinite patience with us has been trying to give mankind that message for centuries. The problem is we're, we're not listening too well. We're, um, we're stubborn, we're stiff-necked. So here's, here's really in a nutshell what happened. So finally, our Lord, centuries of prophets and, and revelation and private revelation, in addition to public revelation of the scriptures, tells us basically to St. Faustina, that's it. I, I'm done. And now our Lord's never done with us. So and we don't mean it sound that way, but he basically told St. Faustina, you, St. Faustina, will prepare the world for my final coming. Now, this was 1931. So 90, was that 92 years ago? Okay. And he said, you will prepare the world for my final coming. And so he did something incredible. He gave five new channels of grace that we collectively call the devotion of divine mercy. And those five new channels are easy to remember in an acronym, FINCH, F-I-N-C-H, like a little bird. F is the Feast of Divine Mercy. 
I is the image of divine mercy. N is the novena of divine mercy. C is the chaplet of divine mercy. And H is the hour of divine mercy, which is 3 p.m. Now, critics will always point out that, well, Father, devotions are optional in the Catholic Church. Okay, technically true. But this devotion was given by God so that we could live a stronger message of divine mercy, which are the ABCs we just mentioned. And that devotion will help you practice. And that those five aspects are what we Marian fathers spread around the world and trusted by the church. And so we're coming up um, in just a couple of days with uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. And, and, and in this earring will be right about that time. So we're very excited uh, that we want to spread this message far and wide. Absolutely beautiful. Now, the practices, <clears throat> the Finch practices, as you call them, they come with a great deal of promises from our Lord. What were those? Yes. Okay. Almost every one of those aspects has a promise. And that's a great point. Um, let's let's start. Okay. My favorite that brought me to was the promise of the chaplet. Okay. That, that even the most hardened sinner, if he prays this chaplet even once, will have the graces necessary for salvation. Uh, the novena, which we pray between Good Friday and the day before Divine Mercy Sunday, has many promises. But let's talk about quickly the main promise of the Feast of Divine Mercy. In fact, it's so amazing that the theologians call it the extraordinary promise of Divine Mercy Sunday. What is it? Okay, basically in number 699 of the Diary of St. Faustina, our Lord summarized to her why this day is so important. And he said to her, I want a feast on the Sunday after Easter. It has to be on this day. That's um, an important day because that's the day the floodgates of mercy are open. That particular day more than any other. And I was like, well, what about Easter? Father Seraphim used to explain it to me. It's all connected. And here, here's how. Basically, our Lord told St. Faustina that the Sunday after Easter is to be called Divine Mercy Sunday. Because, the, as I said, the floodgates of mercy are open. Now, he said that the soul that goes to confession, and now that could be, doesn't have to be on Divine Mercy Sunday, that could be any time today or whenever, that um, you're just in a state of grace. You, you, you have to be in a state of grace. So go to confession, and the soul who receives Holy Communion on that day, Divine Mercy Sunday, or the vigil, of the night before, the soul that does this will receive not only the complete forgiveness of all sin, but you'll get something that normally we don't get coming out of the confessional. And that is also all the remission of the temporal punishment due to sin is wiped clean. And Father Seraphim has always taught me, um, never will your soul be cleaner other than the moment of your original baptism, than it is on Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, a, a well-trained Catholic will say, well, Father, that's just a plenary indulgence, because in a plenary indulgence, you get the remission of sin through, or uh, the forgiveness of sin through confession, and then the remission of the temporal punishment. However, there are four conditions if we remember our plenary indulgence, and one of them the last one is the hard one, no attachment to sin, even venial. And as I always say, good luck, because 
I, I, I struggle with impatience. I struggle with gluttony. I struggle sometimes with, you know, wrong thoughts. These are, these are characteristic of still being broken in our human nature. However, Jesus promises on this day, you have to do just two things. Go to confession and receive Holy Communion, and you will get this promise. So, in other words, anybody can crawl out of the gutter, no matter how sinful or broken we are, get to confession, receive Holy Communion, and there's no other conditions. Now, of course, we have to have rectification of the will. It's just not a magic wand or a rabbit's foot that we could just go like this and say, well, I'll continue my sinful life, but I, I like this idea. I can get cleaned up somewhat. No, we have to have the desire to change our lives. And if we do have that desire, we get to confession, we receive Holy Communion. God's promise is through St. Faustina, we will get cleansed completely of sin and punishment. And I always say, John Henry, I always say that, you know, um, if I, if I, you know, I hear people all the time say, if I could just start over, if I could just clean my slate, well, now you can. <laughs> so it is, you know, Father, one of the things that is so fascinating, people used to, um, I think early Christians, they would actually delay their baptisms just so that they could have that particular grace uh, right before death so that they would sort of delay it. It's a dangerous game, but they would do that so as to avoid as much as purgatory as they could. And yet here we have it with divine mercy. Amazing. That's an excellent point because this is just the reason God gives us because if we were baptized as infants, which is scriptural, by the way, if we are baptized as infants, boy, we've messed up probably quite a bit along the way. And now God gives us, this is why we Marian fathers call it like a second baptism. Now, it's not a second baptism. You're, you're only baptized once, but it's like a second baptism in that what, what happens at your baptism? Wipe away of sin and the punishment due to sin. So again, your soul's never cleaner other than your original baptism than it is on this day. So amazing and a grace you don't want to miss. Beautiful. So, um, so many questions for you. One, can non-Catholics participate? Ah, okay. Another great question. Yes. Now, here's how. Because what happens in, in our Catholic Church teaching if we're unable to get to the sacraments, like you're homebound or you, are, you have no access to a priest? The Church teaches to make an act of contrition, just telling God that you're sorry. Now, for Catholics, we have to have the intent to return to the sacrament of confession at our next available opportunity. But we like to teach that if a non-Catholic truly is wanting the grace of God, they should make an act of contrition. Now, that goes across all Christian denominations. Sorry for our sins. Confessing to God a sorrow that um, we're asking for forgiveness. So make an act of contrition, just telling God that you're sorry. And then also in the Catholic Church, if we're unable to sacramentally receive Holy Communion, we make an act of spiritual communion, where we just tell God that we can't receive you sacramentally right now, but please come into our heart spiritually. And so for a non-Catholic, we would say, make a, a, a spiritual communion where you're asking God to come into your heart spiritually, and then make all of that with an act of the will to change your life 
and ask God for this grace that he, he does. But all that being said, there's no better way, though, than actually getting to the sacraments, getting to confession, getting to Holy Communion. This is why the beauty of our Catholic Church is so important. And the significance of it um, is very important because a lot of people say, well, why did Jesus say it had to be on the eighth day? Okay, here's something fascinating, if I may briefly try to describe this. Now, in the Catholic Church, we come from the Jews. Our tradition of worship comes from the Jews. And for the Jewish tradition, when a feast was so big that it could not be celebrated in one day, they would celebrate over eight days, and they call it an octave. We only have two octaves left in the church now. I mean, we used to have the octave of Pentecost, the octave of Corpus Christi. We only got two now, Christmas and Easter. Easter is the big octave. It starts on Easter Sunday. That's day one of the octave. That begins the most holy eight days of our church year. So uh, Easter Sunday is the first day of the octave, day one. Then we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Divine Mercy Sunday, the eighth day. That's why Jesus always referred to it to, as the eighth day. Now, why? Why is that important? Okay. The perfect number to the Jews, if we were to ask somebody, and then in the Bible, is seven. So people say, well, okay, how come an octave isn't seven days long and make it the perfect number? The reason why is because people forget, or maybe never learned, that the number eight to the Jews represents eternity. So to the Jews, the number eight represents eternity. Now, here's the whole message wrapped up in one. The reason Christ wants it all symbolic in these eight days is this. In Easter Sunday, which we call day one of the octave, Jesus opened the door to heaven. Without that, nothing else happened. So th th this is paramount. Christ, you know, announced this, to the, went to the dead and announced to the souls, David and Moses and those waiting. Uh, heaven is now open. Christ opened the door to heaven. Now, the next seven days are symbolic because seven refers to time. That's the number, perfect number in regards to time. Seven is symbolic of our life, our pilgrimage here on earth that we go through in our journey and our pilgrimage here on, uh, on earth called life. So on day one, Jesus opened the door to heaven. The next seven days are symbolic of our pilgrimage here on earth called life. But on the eighth day, we will enter into eternity. We will die. We, we all will. And here's the beautiful symbolism. The whole essence of, of the mass, according to the church fathers, is a nuptial marriage between God and his people. Now, the new Israel is the church. So Jesus is the groom. The church is his bride. Now, who's the church? We are. We constitute the church. So if Christ is the groom, on the eighth day, he's going to come for you, his bride. Why? Because your time, you've now entered into eternity. So Christ wants to take you to heaven to meet his mother and his father, Mary, his mother, God the Father. And on that eighth day, you will receive your eternal destiny. Now, he wants to take you as his spouse to heaven. However, what did every Jewish man need his spouse to be before taking her home to meet his parents? Spotless. What does the Bible tell us that we have to be before entering heaven? Spotless. 
So if Jesus comes for you on the eighth day, is he going to find you spotless? Well, maybe not, because our wedding garment, our soul, can have stain on it. Now, there's two forms of stain, sin and the punishment that we may be owed even for sins forgiven. So like if I've, I've forgiven for the sin of um, drugs, but yet I'm still attached to them and I'm still addicted to them, I got to be purified of that. So I, I could still have purgatory time remaining for those sins already forgiven. Those two stains stain our wedding garment, sin and the punishment. Now on Divine Mercy Sunday, eighth day, symbolic of eternity, Christ wipes them all away. He takes away all the sin and all the punishment so that our wedding garment, our soul is spotless for him to take to heaven. And that is the nuptial meaning of the mass on earth. And it's a foretaste of what the union will be in heaven. Absolutely amazing. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Totally beautiful. You know, Father, I did have a question with regard to the novena because I had a particular thing with the novena early in my Catholic or reversion days. I uh, prayed a novena for a friend who, <clears throat> whose girlfriend at the time was a non-Catholic and um, didn't know what to do, loved her to pieces, but wanted to be faithful as well. And just it became impossible. We did the novena and there was a great miracle causing her to basically come to the faith and then come into the faith. And now they're a holy Catholic couple with seven kids. What are the promises of the novena? Okay. Each day. Now, traditionally, one thing that's probably worth clarifying here is there's confusion between the novena of divine mercy and the novena of chaplets. They are actually two different things. Specifically, the divine mercy novena was a specific nine days of prayer request given by Jesus to St. Faustina for her to pray between Good Friday and the Saturday before Divine Mercy Sunday. And each day, he asked her to bring a certain group of souls. Now, some are good and some are in need of prayer. Um, so he says, bring to me the priests, uh, souls of priests and religious. They, you know, they helped me in my agony in the garden. So there are good ones. He's asking for prayers. But then there's like the ninth day, bring to me the souls of lukewarm sinners. They, they're the ones that tormented my heart the most during my passion. So <clears throat> specifically, Jesus makes many promises that if you bring to him these groups uh, on each day of the novena, they will be then advocates for you. So if we pray for all schismatics and heretics, and then they're converted, um, all of a sudden we'll have an army of, <laughs> we will have a bunch of prayer warriors for us as well. This intention, what makes it unique, this novena, is it's the only novena that we have in the Catholic Church that I'm aware of that's not just our intentions, it's God's intentions. He actually gave us each day what to pray for. Now people will ask, well, Father, if I want to do a nine-day novena for healing of my mom of cancer, um, can I do that? Yes, we call that a novena of chaplets. There, you can do any nine consecutive days of prayer, any time of the year, for any intention, and you say the chaplet of divine mercy as part of that daily novena prayer. And again, 
many, many graces tied to that. And so it's important to realize that Jesus says many of these prayers are answered to the power of this novena. And so what he's basically doing is saying, unite it with my intentions and um, it'll have the full grace that is it is possible with any possible prayer outside of the Mass. So, Father, today, in today's world, particularly, I'd say over the past decade or so, before that for sure too, but particularly now, the idea of mercy in the church has been sort of twisted. Right now, when people talk about mercy, it's often, well, we have to have mercy and accept everybody and accompany everybody and everything. And it's particularly applied right now to the LGBT plus whatever, whatever. And mercifully allowing, you know, same-sex couples to receive Holy Communion in the opinion of certain priests and prelates, cardinals even. What's the real definition of mercy here according to our Lord? Horrible mistake in misleading souls. The two biggest sins that we can fall into are, are despair and presumption. These are the two most deadly ways that we can go. Everything else God can deal with. You know, if you're struggling out of weakness with purity or you're study, struggling with impatience or gluttony, even the deadly sins, the ones that are, are the most deadly are the two ends of the spectrum, despair and presumption. Despair is there's no hope for me. I, I have no hope. Even God can't forgive me. I'm too far gone. Um, you know, no, please don't ever fall into despair. On the opposite is presumption. Oh, it doesn't matter what I do. God is merciful. Um, he will forgive me. Don't you judge me. Um, you know, this whole idea of false mercy is really presumption. What do we mean by that? Okay, from the very beginning, our faith is always taught, love the sinner, Augustine said, but hate the sin. We are, and you know, John Henry, you probably get a, a laugh out of this too. I, I always announce that I'm getting ready to write my next book and it's going to be called Catholics, why we are called to be intolerant and judgmental. <laughs> and, and people go, oh boy, that's, that's not going to go far. And I say, well, let me explain. We must be intolerant and judgmental of anything contrary to the will of God. Notice I didn't say the person. We aren't to judge the people. That is God's job and God's job alone. If I see somebody do something, I can judge the action. In fact, I'm required to judge the action. Objectively, you're living cohabitating with somebody. This is wrong. Objectively, you're engaging in sodomy. This is wrong. I'm not judging the person because God only knows if there's maybe a mental disturbance or there was abuse in that person's past that has affected their free will. We don't judge the person. However, that does not mean we never hold accountability and never point out objectively that actions, certain actions are gravely sinful and can never be accepted. For instance, abortion. I'll give you an example of abortion. Yes, I don't judge a mother having an abortion because she might be threatened by her boyfriend that he's going to kill her if she doesn't have it. I can't judge her. But what I can judge is the action under no circumstances can the church ever say abortion is okay. Never. And so we judge not the person, but we must judge the action. And the biggest lie of divine mercy is saying, 
don't worry about it. God is all, all mercy. He's Yes, he is mercy, but he's also justice. We can't lose sight of the fact that this does not mean you can continue in a lifestyle. The reason that I preach against transgenderism and, and same-sex, I won't even call it marriage, um, uh, a gay activity in what they define as a marriage, um, is because I love them. It's, it's not because I'm judging them as persons. It's not because I think I'm more holy than you. Lord knows my struggles. Um, I do it because I want to see you not be lost. St. Faustina, in her diary, gave a very descriptive paragraph on the narrow road and the wide road. And she talked about the narrow road and the wide road. And this wide road was full of singing and dancing and carnal pleasures and what seemed to be um, joyful things. And at the end, it fell off a cliff. And then she simultaneously explained a narrow path that was full of thorns, rocks, thickets, struggling, suffering. But at the end, that narrow path ended up in the most beautiful garden of paradise. And so if we truly love someone, we don't want to see them go down that path to a cliff. We want to see them in that path to eternal life in, a, in the garden of, of, of paradise. This is what is most grossly misunderstood about mercy. It's not a license. It's not a, a free ticket to sin. Beautiful. One of the things that a lot of people struggle with, um, particularly Catholics, good Catholics, um, and it, unfortunately it's becoming more common today, is the issue of suicide. And uh, you've actually written a book uh, about that called After Suicide. How are Catholics to come to any kind of peace with their loved ones who have done this or friends or so on? An absolutely uh, a critical topic in today's day and age. Uh, if I may regress just a bit, the one of the reasons that this was so um, has come to the forefront so much was the whole uh, falsity of, of uh, the lies that were per perpetrated um, through the whole uh, COVID situation. Uh, one of them, which was this, that you don't hear about. Many people who are receiving mental health treatment that were uh, suffering gravely with depression and anxiety, they were, and not everywhere, I know I'm going to get letters, they're going to say, Father, I'm a healthcare worker, how dare you say that we didn't provide services? No. Absolutely, there was places that were providing and continued to provide even during COVID. But a huge number of facilities closed down and would not let people in to receive mental health treatment. Out of fear of COVID, they were banned and they were not allowed to come in to receive treatment. I know this personally because I give spiritual direction to several of them. Now, calls to the suicide hotlines um, went up 600% during COVID because of the isolation. What is one of the worst things that you can do for somebody struggling in this kind of area is to isolate them and, and to bring them more fear. All of a sudden you have somebody who's already struggling now as being on top of that forced in isolation. And then you're putting more fear on top of that. It was a recipe for absolute disaster. What's scary, it's a bittersweet um, uh, result is the book that I wrote 
several years ago is now the number one selling book in Ireland in the nonfiction category. This book was written five years ago, and it's the number one book in the nonfiction category in Ireland. This is alarming. I mean, I'm glad that people are turning to God's mercy, but it's very troubling that we're having this type of uh, mental um, struggles in our world today. Now, however, don't despair. God's mercy is greater, even, even than suicide. However, we have to teach and preach. It's never the answer. Uh, suicide is a permanent response to a temporary earthly problems. But God's mercy is still there for those who didn't willfully want it. This is the key. If you willfully choose to isolate yourself from God, if you choose freely of the will, yes, your soul is lost. If you die in an unrepentant state of moral, mortal sin and you willfully choose separation from God, your soul is lost. However, I use my grandma as an example. She was struggling with mental. There was severe debilitating uh, factors in, in her mental being. And I know for a fact, she did not want to take her life. She didn't want to end her life. She saw no other way out. It, it became um, uh, uh, only solution that she could wrongfully see. And so the book is to teach and preach not to lose hope, but it never condones suicide or says it's okay. Never. But what it does say is if we've lost someone, we still have hope in the mercy of God. As Catechism 2282 and 2283 say, there are mitigating circumstances such as mental illness or grave uh, fear or, or mental illness or anxiety or depression that factor in. And in fact, Catechism 2283 says, we should never despair of the uh, salvation of those who've taken their own lives because in ways God known to God alone, he can bring an opportunity for them to repent. They still have to repent, but God gives them, we believe, the opportunity somewhere to do that. It's, it's, it's just a, a matter of trusting in the mercy of God. One of the things that we have uh, spreading around the world now is this whole movement uh, called, <laughs> they used to call it mercy killing, and now they call it uh, medical assistance in dying or some other, you know, uh, euphemism for euthanasia, for killing oneself or having someone kill you. Um, in that process, there's actually, and it's it's horrible to talk about because once they start down the road, you know, they give themselves an injection or they get some whatever it is, there's actually a few moments in between where a person might reconsider and, and obtain that mercy as well. But uh, your thoughts on uh, this phenomenon? I, I'm very glad you brought that up because never in any church church teaching um, is it ever accepted euthanasia, uh, assisted suicide. People will call it mercy killing. Well, I don't want to see them suffer any longer. What you're not understanding is God may allow through that suffering a purification of that soul to be able to make the difference between salvation and damnation. What we don't understand is how God is working behind the scenes. Only he is the author of life and death. Under no circumstances can we assume that. Now, the church teaching is under severe 
life support um, type of things. Yes, there there is not a, a moral requirement that that you keep uh, a digital brain uh, that's you know a person that's been uh, severely brain damaged uh, alive through uh, real deep uh, technology and medical equipment. There's not that, but the basic things like feeding tubes, the, what we call the ordinary means, you can't remove that. You cannot take that away from the person. Extraordinary means can be, but ordinary means just because I have to eat through a tube rather than my mouth is not grounds to take a life because somebody has pain is not grounds to take a life. And there are many Catholics, and I've done talks on this, that um, are under that misconception that because they're suffering, it's okay to end their lives because you're ending their suffering. That's false. And that is something we, we need to be very careful of. If you don't mind, Father, I'm going to drill down on that some more because it's so important. There's a lot of people who say, you know, my horse is suffering. My dog is suffering. I'm going to put it out of its misery. But you're requiring me to let my mom, my dad, my whatever, go through this terrible suffering? How inhumane. How is that mercy? Well, and, and what they first have to understand is, while it's true, every living thing has a soul, every plant, every animal, every human has a soul, only the human has a rational, immortal soul, okay? So uh, this is the teaching of Thomas Aquinas. Um, you know, a lot of people will always ask the question about my pet in heaven and whatnot, so I, I, won't, I won't get into the depth of that here, but I will say this, the human soul is and may most likely be being led by God through a purification, through that suffering. There is no resurrection. There is no um, Easter Sunday without Good Friday. All of us will partake in that cross in some way or another. It could be physical, emotional, or even spiritual, like a dark night of the soul. What we have to understand is we are to be there to provide support and help for that person being purified. I'll give a quick example of my own parents right now. I'm going through a very difficult time. My mother is um, in very ill health, uh, extreme dementia, um, and it is a very tough situation. And my father, through decades of his life, never really was um, a self-sacrificing type of person. It was more focused on his career, where we lived was based on where he wanted to be, his job. Okay. I understand that. I'm not criticizing him for that. But only when my mom got extremely sick did two things happen in my family. One, my mom had never forgiven her mother through her whole life of child abuse. My mom was abused as a, as a child by her mother. My mom had never forgiven her, refused to forgive her. After my mom got sick, my mom got sick she and I had a conversation just before her dementia started setting in. And it was in her sickness that she found the grace of forgiveness. In order to, to find that grace to forgive my grandmother, her mom, only came, my mom said, when she experienced some of her own sickness to see what her mother went through. And she forgave. Now, all of a sudden, my mom's sickness may have allowed my mom's salvation. Now, on top of that, my father, who had always been self-focused and self-centered, uh, 
I have never in my life seen a more dedicated, more devoted last three years. He has given his entire life to caring for her, to treating her, changing her, feeding her, cooking for her, cleaning for her. He never did that before. This is an act of supernatural love that only came because my mom is suffering. Had we put her to death, had we euthanized her, we may have two lost souls. My mom through unforgiveness, my father through lack of charity. Now through the suffering of my mom, we have, I believe, two saved souls. My mom is forgiven and my father is living supernatural charity. Unbelievable. Only God's grace could do something like that. Wow. Wow. If that doesn't give a head-spinning way of looking at suffering, nothing will. You know, Father, there's another aspect to St. Faustina, and that's about the prophecies that she made. And I'd love to hear your take on, first of all, if you can give us a nutshell of what that was, but B, where you think we are on that path. Because as you mentioned already, about after my day of mercy, she said, comes my day of justice and what that means for our time. Well, you know, it's interesting because this tied in so uniquely with Fatima, because at Fatima, the, the children warned of a great war. Faustina fully prophesied uh, what was going to happen with World War II. And in fact, her credibility um, was much more seen by the popes uh, that came after her death in seeing her writings because of what she did uh, prophesy about things such as the great war that was coming and the chastisement. She prophesied her own canonization. She prophesied, um, in fact, she talks about what we talk about here a lot is the three days of darkness. Um, now, three days of darkness are not dogmatic revelation that we are required as Catholics to believe, but many saints and blesseds, uh, Taigi and Johanna and others have brought up. Faustina talked that Jesus said shortly before the end, the cross will appear in the sky, the, the, the skies will be darkened. The earth will be darkened, and the only light will be a cross in the sky where light will emanate from the wounds of, of the hands and the feet that, will, um, that were of Christ's uh, marks of the crucifixion, and that will be the only light that will be seen. So there is this days of darkness forecasted, but she or prophesied um, that the world was going to be in deep, deep sin. And that we had to turn to God's mercy now while there is still time. Because she said that Jesus told her that shortly after will come the time of justice. And then it's too late. We have this window. We have this time of mercy right now. And it's slowly closing. Many mystics, prophets, and saints will tell us. And that's why I think he gave, uh, John Henry, I think he gave the Feast of Mercy. And if I may quickly add this prophecy, because I think this is very interesting. In St. Faustina's diary, she had a vision of a great gathering in Rome. It was the celebration that she simultaneously saw from her chapel. She was the first saint of the new millennium, which is also very significant. There was no talk at all of instituting the Feast of Divine Mercy. Now, St. Faustina wrote in her diary that she saw St. Peter appear during this event and whisper into the ear of the Holy Father, who was John Paul at that time, 
And what is so interesting, if you watch, if you watch the um, the videos of that event, John Paul almost appeared to be in a trance. He almost appeared to be in meditation type prayer. Faustina, you know, decades earlier writes that she sees St. Peter approach the Holy Father and whisper in his ear. John Paul appears in this like meditative state and then announces the feast of divine mercy. And, and I always say, I believe that John Paul, who was the Pope at the time, listened to St. Peter, who said, now is the time of mercy. We are going to institute this feast. You are to declare it. We are to give it to the world because the time of justice is coming. So what does God do? The scripture tells us where sin abounds, God's mercy abounds all the more. That doesn't mean it's a free ticket that we can do whatever we want, that hell isn't real. Hell is real. Purgatory is real. Consequences of our sin is real. Um, the commandments are real. But God is giving us the grace through divine mercy to stand up to this culture. I mean, I, I pity uh, a young teenage boy nowadays because of the, the culture. They're being told that that, that that marriage can be between two men and two women. They're being taught that abortion is good. They're being taught that the preservation of religious liberty is not important anymore. Patriotism in our country is being lost. I feel so sorry, but God is heaping mercy at the same time so that anybody who desires can still embrace and fight this culture. And God bless LifeSite. You guys are an example of somebody who's standing up for the truth and in, in, in standing up to the lies of the culture, we Marian fathers are trying to do the same. And that is so important today. Uh, and that's why we need the grace <laughs> to be able to do that. Amen to that. Thank you for that, Father. One of the things that LifeSite has experienced for being willing to speak the truth in a culture that hates the truth is cancellation. Now, we, thanks be to God, um, just in the nick of time, uh, had built her own servers and uh, were canceled right thereafter. But the Marian Fathers as well have started to set up. Tell us about that so that we don't lose you when the time comes that you might also be canceled. Um, I'll be honest. We used you as an example. Um, uh, our priests and brothers here are fans of Lysite. We saw what happened. We had one of our own apostolates, the Mother of Mercy Messengers, which is one of our own apostolates, canceled. They were only temporarily, thank goodness. Uh, but the writing is on the wall. And so we uh, took upon ourselves to do the same thing. We've created a new digital platform um, called divinemercyplus.org. It's spelled out, so divinemercyplus.org. And on that, we are backing up all of our videos, all of our content, because our content, you will never find in a Marian content, anything contrary to the teaching of the church. Um, you will find nothing but full truth and supportive teaching of our, our church for 2,000 years of our history. And um, we've backed it up. Um, we, we put these uh, videos, we'll be putting them on Vimeo so that um, we can place them on our own platform or in the process of doing that. We are still on YouTube, but and we pray that that will continue, but we are preparing, um, as you had to, 
uh, because I always say, God bless me with a with a, uh, uh, an ability to be able to hopefully teach the truth, but I know I got a big mouth. And the problem is I want to use the big mouth for the Lord. Nowadays, you're going to get canceled for it. And uh, we have to prepare. And so I'm praying it doesn't happen in a full degree, but our apostolate's already been canceled. And I speak out regularly against the evils of abortion, um, gay marriage, and the destruction of religious liberty, destruction of the patriarchy, uh, the war, the horrors of communism and Marxism. I speak out regularly against this, and um, we're just we're just preparing that we we hope that we're okay, but we got to prepare if we do get canceled. Father, thank you so very much for your fidelity, for your great words, and I pray that many many people might take up. We are airing this right before the feast of divine mercy. And I pray and pray and pray that people take up your invitation, our Lord's invitation, to celebrate this feast of divine mercy. Give us one more time, Finch. The great devotion that God gave to St. Faustina, these five new channels of grace, if you missed it, is simply the acronym Finch, like the little bird, F-I-N-C-H. And the F is the Feast of Divine Mercy coming up the Sunday after Easter, which we're getting excited and, and prepared for. I is the image of Divine Mercy. You can see the little image right here. Um, you can find it regularly throughout uh, the internet, but it's the image of Jesus as he appeared to St. Faustina. Many promises. Jesus said that this, the person who uh, adores the image uh, will not be lost. Uh, the person who venerates this image will not be lost. So many promises there. That's I. N is the novena of divine mercy, which Jesus gave to St. Faustina to pray for particular souls between Good Friday and the day before East, uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. Uh, C, powerful, the chaplet of divine mercy, which Jesus said that no matter how hardened the sinner, and this is what brought me back, uh, no matter how sinful, the soul that prays this chaplet even once will have graces that will help them for salvation. Amazing. So that's C. And then finally, H is the hour of mercy, which we celebrate at 3 p.m., the hour that traditionally our Lord died on the cross. And he also makes many promises at the three o'clock hour to ask him for these graces to help um, live a, a virtuous and holy life. So a beautiful devotion that Jesus gave through St. Faustina that we hope all of you will help uh, put into your own life. Awesome. Father Chris Alar, so good to be with you. Could you grant us, please, your blessing? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we ask that you send the Holy Spirit to continue on this ministry of life sight and their activity and their apostolate and give all of these viewers and those seeking the truth, the wisdom and the grace of your divine mercy. And we bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Father, and thank you. And thank you for also uh, doing the same in the great work at uh, LifeSite. Praise God. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect.